You are now listening to the Millennial Travel Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, podcast listeners? It's Matt coming to you with another episode of the Millennial Travel Podcast, episode 10. This week with an exciting episode that I recorded in a pre-COVID-19 world uh, for the research for the Millennial Travel Guidebook with a guy who wrote the Guide to Millennial Business Travel. I was doing my research on millennial travel, uh, as you might imagine, and said, ah, somebody's already written a book on this but specifically for millennial business travelers. Now, before you say, oh, this isn't for me, uh, take a listen to this episode because I think you're going to be able to tease out a whole lot of gems if you just want to travel, uh, let's say, like a boss. Uh, And when I say that, I mean someone who does things efficiently and effectively like a smart business person would do whether or not you travel for business, I think you can enjoy this episode. Uh, I have since gotten to know Michael, uh, our guest, and uh, he's been just a really awesome guy. I got the opportunity to uh, meet up with him in Austin, and uh, yeah, it's just been uh, yeah real pleasure to get to know him and his work, and uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it as well. Uh, on the housekeeping side of things, we have some new trips running and uh, coming out with under 30 experiences for national parks. Uh, we are talking about camping and hiking, which is a great way to social distance, of course. And, um, oh, of course, somebody's at my door. Uh, but here we go. All right, I'm going to cut it here. Listen in. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we are here with Michael Puldi. He is the author of The Millennial's Guide to Business Travel, Lessons from the Next Generation of Road Warriors. He has flown over 2.8 million air miles in his lifetime. He was a 1K, or probably still is a 1K elite member on United Uh, has flown 1.3 miles there on United, 700,000 on Delta, another half a million miles on American, a Diamond VIP at Hilton, Platinum member at Hyatt Gold (laughs) at Marriott and Sheraton. And uh, Michael, I guess you need no further introduction on why you know what you're talking about when it comes to this travel game. So without further ado, welcome. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here on your show. No, ab- absolutely. Uh, I was telling you, of course, off camera that I had just started looking around uh, when I set out about two years ago to write my own book, The Millennial Travel Guidebook, uh, trying to help people escape more and spend less and really make travel a priority in their life. And I started to look around and and uh, came across your book, and so I'm I'm uh, really glad that I was able. I guess I've read it twice now, and uh, yeah, was really happy to to come across it. And uh, just chatting with you over the last five minutes, it's it's awesome to to hear all that you've done. I want to first start and say uh, you were telling me you have three, I think three sons, and uh, you wrote a book for millennials, but you grew up in the 60s and 70s, you were telling me. So first of all, I'd love to know why you wrote a book for millennials. So when I, uh, so when I started, when I was, uh, so I, I grew up in Florida in the 60s and 70s, and, and back then, air travel was a real luxury. In fact, uh, when I would go see my, uh, my grandparents in, in Miami, we would take the train. And the big family vacation is we would pile in the car and we would go to Disney World, which had just relatively opened sometime in the mid 70s and 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 the big trip in the quote international trip was going to atlanta so i didn't travel around a, a very much back then and then when i went to college in south carolina uh, i hooked up with a lot of friends that we went on road trips and uh, 
we were traveling to Chicago and New York. And in fact, I, I wandered into a parade and I was probably 10 feet from Ella Fitzgerald, who was the grand marshal of the, uh, of the St. Patrick's Day parade in New York City. And, you know, I just had these experiences where I just loved, loved traveling. And then I backpacked by myself throughout Europe uh, sometime between my sophomore and junior year. And, and, then, uh, and then fast forward, uh, as you mentioned, I've, uh, I've traveled a lot around the world. I have, uh, I have three, uh, three sons that are all in their late 20s, early 30s, and, and they travel a lot now for their job. And when they first started traveling, I was like, you know, I should build, build something for them. So I wrote this book for them, for people like them who are just now starting their travel experiences and things to think about. And, and hopefully they can, they can learn a little bit and, and stand on my shoulders and not make some of the same mistakes and, and have some of the same issues that I had kind of uh, traveling around the world. No, that's that's great. It was uh, had a similar inspiration to to write my own book. Uh, and, I, you know, I tell people, hey, or at least I say in the book, uh, you can you can read all you want about this stuff, but make sure you go out and make your own mistakes. I, I've I've made plenty and I'm sure, you know, you you have a whole lot more miles under your belt than than I do. And uh, some of those mistakes are good learning experiences, but it's also nice not to make it because they take they cost time and money a, a lot of uh, a lot of times. And um, Michael, I know that your book is very focused on domestic travel, but you do mm -hmm. have a nice section of international travel as well. I'm looking at your bookshelf behind you and I'm seeing guidebooks from Nepal and Tokyo and Istanbul and uh, I saw Costa Rica where I lived uh, since 2012 and so uh, yeah I'm excited to to ask you about some of your international adventures as well uh, you lived in Singapore for a couple years it sounds like so love right. to tell you how this uh, passion for Hey, taking a road trip in college translated into uh, some really interesting international stuff as well. Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, you just just starting the the road trip, and I mean, for me, it's all about. And, and some people might feel it's a little cliche, but I just love meeting other people and experiencing cultures and different foods and attitudes and and even different religions. Um, and 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 through road trips in the United States, and I and I've been fortunate enough. I've traveled to all 50 United States, um, which has has been a blast. And I've and and now I'm up to about I think 47 or 48 countries that I've been able to to go tramps around with. But, you know, you just as you meet different people and as you go around the country, it just opens up your your perspective on the world. One. And from a business point of view, it makes you, it gives you an edge. It gives you that differentiator when you go meet a client or you, you're talking to a prospective uh, uh, colleague that you can say, oh, yeah, I took the subway to work. And if you're in South Korea and you take the subway to work and you're going to, to go talk to a lot of people in Korea, they're very impressed that you're able to go out there and engage in their culture and engage with their lifestyle and it's the same whether you do that in the United States or you do that over all over the world people want you to feel that you are embracing their community versus you're just flying in trying to close a deal and then leave uh, absolutely uh, so I went to school in uh, in Rhode Island, a small state of Rhode Island I went to mm -hmm. Bryant University and it's a small business school um, and we had one of my roommate's fathers had this thing about him, uh, Mr. Crane, Duffy Crane. Shout out to shout out to Duffy. And he would come to parents weekend and, you know, there would be like tailgating mm -hmm. before the football game and, you know, these kind of things to go mm -hmm. visit your kids at school. And he could chat up a conversation with anybody. He was in commercial real estate and he focused on the East Coast and being a small school in the East Coast, everyone was from, you know, Jersey, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. New York. Uh, he was from Baltimore. So so there was this, I mean, pretty large footprint that he covered. But somebody could say to him, oh, are you from, uh, you're from West Palm Beach? Yeah, I looked at a deal over there at the crossroads of... Um, Worth Avenue and I-95, you know, whatever. Right. I haven't been exactly. to Palm Beach in a long time. But he could pinpoint 
mm-hmm. exact place on the map and talk to someone about their actual hometown. And I just thought that was so interesting. And I, I've really tried to do that uh, as much as I could and, and borrow that from it because it's just a great way to relate to someone, to understand where they're from. And, and you're exactly right, Matt. I mean, any way that you can find to relate to someone, it, you immediately bring, a, you, you're immediately closer to, to that individual. And and travel is one of those beautiful things that allows you to do that. And and the example that, that you gave with uh, Duffy, and it's I, I have the exact same stories. And, and I'm sure my kids have seen me do the exact same thing. In fact, the, the joke around our house is, um, you know, when we'd be all hanging out together watching watching TV or watching a movie and they'd have a, a site comes up of like Taj Mahal or um, the, the Great Pyramids or, you know, name your favorite uh, favorite iconic structure. And I'd be like, yeah, I, I've been there. Yeah, it's and it's amazing to be able to, you know, give that humble brag, but inspire your children as as well. Exactly. exactly. And that's the point is now they're the ones who are telling me, look where I've been. So my youngest son and his wife, uh, they just got married and they took a honeymoon in uh, Argentina and then they went over into Chile and uh, and a little bit into Bolivia and that part of the world. And, and they're sending me pictures of places I've never been. And I'm watching my son, I'm watching my son uh, essentially wearing a, uh, wearing a snowboard going down a sand dune wow. somewhere in northern Chile. And it's like, and, I, and being the parent, I'm like, where's your helmet? <laughs> of course. Well, I'll have to get that. Uh, I'll have to get that place from your son's Instagram, perhaps, because uh, my wife is Chilean and I still have not been yet. So we're going to try to make it this year. And uh, yeah, I'd love to check out some of the, the adventures there. And, you know, it's even like uh, watching international soccer matches to be, you know, born and raised in the United States. My dad's from Wisconsin. We're all Green Bay Packers fans. Mm-hmm. And nothing better to me than watch some gladiators on the American football right. <coughs> uh, field. But when you – I started traveling so much in Latin America that I would really want to understand, at least know some players on each t- on, from each country – because then you can chat with anybody and make best friends at a bar while you're sitting there. And uh, that's a huge part of their culture. Or Actually, I don't know if you can see the hat uh, that I, I have I on can. right now. It's a Cruz Azul hat. And they are a Mexican soccer team who is a very famous team, but they have not won the championship in 22 years. Wow. And so I'll go here in Austin to a taco truck and I can instantly make friends with the guy behind the you know serving tacos because he's just going to make fun of me about my that i'm a cruz azul fan and you know i'm really not a cruz azul fan i've actually never seen a game but went to mexico city like the hat Mm -hmm. and you know i have something to chat with people about now you know and and that brings up that brings up another good point is is as you try to find ways and again this is very important in business it's all about you know, if you look at it at a foundation level, it's all about developing the relationship and making people feel comfortable that they're going to do business with you. Because you do business, you do business with people you like. You do business with your friends. You do business with um, people and organizations that you feel comfortable around. And and travel does that. And wearing, you know, hats or shirts or or having little knickknacks around where that you've traveled to, um, that really brings a lot out in people. In fact, uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the bookcase behind me, and and for people that can't see the video, I've got a vertical bookcase, and and I've got probably seventy-five books stacked from the floor to the ceiling, with places all over the place. And every time I do a video uh, discussion or a meeting or an interview or a client call, everyone sees the bookcase. And everyone finds a, a country or finds a topic in there that they can relate to. And and I put it up there just because I thought it looked nice. But I've since found it's a really nice differentiator. And and again, that's one of those things that you want to bring forth as you're, as not only as you're traveling but experiencing is is how can you share that information and and what can you get out of other people? No, that's that's great. And uh, 
not only, of course, writing a book is an amazing way to disseminate ideas across the globe, uh, but you can tell a lot by what's on people's bookshelf. And um, mm -hmm. actually, I always think of a, uh, one of my very best friends. He had this amazing library of books. It wasn't that big, but it was at least under his big screen TV. And there was, oh, well, I'll give him, I'll say 20 books. And they right. were by... Uh, you know, famous doctors and philosophers and really interesting stuff. And, you know, having that kind of thing in your home, uh, it's really nice when somebody comes over and you can start chatting about interesting intellectual topics and, uh, you know, go beyond small talk. And I asked him, man, you got some great books here. Which are some of your favorite? And he's one of my best friends. And he turned to me and he said, I haven't read a damn one of them. <laughs> That's okay. funny. Yeah. I said, okay, that's, uh, that's, that's fine. That's one, that's one approach. Yeah, sure, sure. You have them out and uh, fake it till you make it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've read mine, except there's one book in here that's written in Japanese that, that I have not read, since I do not read Japanese, but when I was in Tokyo uh, working with a, a group in, uh, in computer security, um, one of my friends was a uh, was a noted specialist in, in computer technology and computer security in Japan, and he had just written his first book on computer security, but it's all in Japan. Wow. I was like, I want an autographed copy. And he's just like, well, you can't read Japanese. I was like, no, <laughs> but I want your book. That's funny. That And, and no better compliment to, to an author. Uh, exactly. Seriously. No, that's that's great. Well, Michael, I want to make sure that people get uh, some actionable stuff out of this. Uh, I'm sure you and I, you and I are going to have to catch up sometime and and have a beer together, uh, at the at the very least. But I want to to talk about really helping people optimize their travels, and that's what when I'm in the airport and I have my backpack on and my long hair and my baseball cap on or whatever. And yeah, I, I usually try to stop in with my uh, American Express Platinum card or the uh, priority pass into the right. lounges and everybody's all buttoned up and I'm sitting there with my backpack. You know, Half the time they don't even want me to let me into the place. Um, but what I see in those lines are in that TSA pre-check line of business travelers are people who have optimized their life to get through the airport just hassle-free because you're doing it on a weekly basis. So I'd love to, to start small. And um, first of all, I think you, you start off your book really about luggage and uh, that can make a huge difference in how you travel. And so I'd love to start with luggage and maybe could you walk us through security with you and what that looks like? Because you must have it down to a science. Well, you're, you're exactly right, Matt. I mean, it's, and, and this is definitely one of the ways that I start off with in the book is, is you want to be efficient. You want to be succinct because when you're traveling for business, you're, you're not, you don't have a week and you you don't have a, an uncompressed schedule. It's very people are spending your company, whether you own it or you're working for someone else, they're spending their money to fly you or allow you to drive to a destination to accomplish a mission. And and once you're done with that mission, you need to come home. And and so it's a day trip to San Francisco if you're living in L.A. If you live in New York, you're you're hopping the train, uh, you know, from upstate to New York into the city. You're conducting a meeting, and then you're on the train back. Uh, and 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 so there's no hotel, there's no time for a nice restaurant. You're not taking in a Broadway play. So so the whole idea is to be able to travel light, travel efficiently, and understand where your obstacles are going to be that'll slow you down. So um, so starting with luggage, I mean. I um, so when I used to start traveling and, and I know my, my kids did the same thing you know they were traveling with their book bags or bookcase or book back uh, backpack or maybe they'll even have a duffel bag and you know it's if you can get something compressed like that that allows you to maneuver great um, and but if you need something a little bit more comp comp more complicated where you can have a little bit more security you want a, something with a little hard shell to it something with rollers. I mean, there's there's a number of great opportunities on the marketplace. I mean, I, I typically actually fly with Toomey. 
Uh, Toomey bags have been my go-to now for uh, for over 10 years. And um, I, I had, uh, I've tried the Samsonite and I've tried some other brands, which I haven't had as, as good luck with. Um, I like the Briggs and Riley brand. I think they're a little heavier. But the thing is, is I get something small. I get something that I can fit in the luggage space. So it's roughly 22 inches in length. So something I can easily put into any luggage, luggage bin on any airline. And something that, that rolls. So I can roll it, and then I can stick uh, another book bag, like a computer bag, on top of it. Um, I, you know, when I travel with uh, with women, I see them putting their their purses or their their never full bag. They'll put those on top of those rollaways. So in other words, they're not walking when you have to when you get from the car to security to the gate, and then when you get to the other end, I mean, you could be traveling walking you know 10 15 minutes plus a bus plus another 10 minutes plus a train so you know you want to kind of minimize the amount of weight you're carrying so find some luggage that that fits your budget that is relatively light it's almost like you know in your backpacking when you're going up to the mountains you want to find a backpack that's light you want to find a tent that's not too heavy same thing for working you want to find the equipment that you take with you you want it light and in your budget and then um, and then it's optimizing the travel from there. So security. I mean, if you're going through security in the United States, you want uh, TSA PreCheck. I still meet so many people that have not signed up for TSA PreCheck. And by the way, if you're going to sign up for TSA PreCheck and you think you're going to do international, go global entry. It's only a little bit more money. You have to do an interview. So you go in and you meet someone from, uh, from, from uh, Customs and, and Border Patrol. And they, you did, they ask you some basic questions in terms of your citizenship and your employment status and, and where, you, where you're currently living. And they just want to make sure that, uh, that you're uh, you know, a law-abiding citizen of the United States. And, um, and that just eases your, um, eases your passage through, uh, through security. So instead of waiting in these long queues, often I'm in out of security within 60 to 120 seconds. And in a lot of places now in the United States or some places in the United States, um, you can now just present your driver's license. So I fly out of LAX as my host airport now, and I can just give them my driver's license. I don't have to show them a boarding pass or anything, and they know right away who I am, what flight I am on, and they can wave me through. Wow, that's that's great. And it's all connected to your to your driver's license. Is that right? Exactly. That's where that is where TSA is is headed. Now it's not okay. there in, in every place around the United States, but but that's where they're going. Interesting. Yeah, that must have been part of this conversion to the real ID as well. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Great. Right. And for anybody who's already overwhelmed with all of the stuff that uh, we're we're spitting out there, Michael, as you can see, is a wealth of resources, but we are going to link up everything in the show notes here at under30experiences.com slash blog or on my personal blog, mattwilson.co. So nobody has to think, oh my God, what were those luggage brands that uh, he just mentioned? And, and we can put links to all of those things uh, over there on the, the notes as, as well. So, okay, Michael, um, I am totally with you on TSA and uh, global entry. Uh, one hack that I would that I, I would add in there for global entry is if you have uh, for me, I think when I got global entry, I was living in New York and you had to actually go to JFK. So I was living in Manhattan and you have to go have a meeting at JFK or LaGuardia. So I scheduled it uh, when I had an outgoing flight uh, or perhaps it was for when I landed. I can't remember which way I did it. But instead of spent, you know, instead of spending an hour going from the city out to the airport, yeah, just have say your flight leaves at noon. Okay, we'll then have schedule your meeting for 9 a.m. before your flight. And uh, it, it, it was really pretty quick and, and painless for me. So a little extra and, runaround. And Matt, another, another good hack is you don't have to do it in the same city where you live. So if you're oh. traveling, so I, I'll tell you my, my story. When I first signed up for Global Entry, I was living in, in Colorado at the time. And so it was Denver. And it was a three-month wait for me, to, to, for me to get my interview. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to wait for three months, but hey, I'm flying to Houston next week. So let me just see if I can schedule my appointment in Houston. And there so instead of waiting three months, 
it, I, you know, I, I was able to coordinate it with another trip and I was, I was in and out of there. And like you said, once the interview is like five, 10 minutes, so you're in and out really quick. Beautiful. Uh, that, that sounds real good. And, um, one of the things that I drew from your book was, uh, about a small thing, but you mentioned, uh, in inclement weather. And so you always look at the weather before you travel, it sounds like. And so I'm curious what kind of uh, preparations you might make or ways that perhaps you even book your flights in a certain way to reduce the probability of them being delayed. I'm wondering if you could provide any information for us on that. Yeah, so, so I, I look at that as all of uh, building contingencies. So the business I'm in is all about, in the, in the technology world, is all about mitigating risk. So I always like to have a backup plan and a plan B and a plan C so to minimize what's going wrong. So, so to start with, looking back at the, the question on, on travel and packing, um, I used to just, every time I would travel, I'd go through my bathroom and I'd go, okay, where's the toothbrush and where's the, where's the shampoo? And, and every trip I would forget something. So finally I say, you know, I'm going to make a to-go bag. So I've got my go bag for my toiletries. I've got my go bag for my liquids. And then I've got my go bag for my chargers. So every time I'm on a trip, it's like I just pick those three bags and I've got pretty much 80% of what I need for my travel. I don't lose cords anymore. I don't forget my chargers. I don't forget my toothbrush and I don't forget my shampoo. The cables. That's it. That's a great one. The toothbrush I figured out after, you know, lose, leaving behind too many toothbrushes and in God knows where. And I was splitting a little bit of time between Costa Rica and the States. And so, yeah, it just started to make sense. Oh, yeah, have have an extra toothbrush in both places. But the cables, man, that that tip is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, that that one has a big, been a big win for me. Um, anyway, so what I do to help minimize risk and, and manage those contingencies is whenever I feel like I'm going to, on a trip, especially to a crowded places, like say I'm going to New York city during the holidays, I book a hotel right away because hotels in New York city fill up fast and they fill up fast in other major metropolitan areas. So if you just get a, get wind of, Hey, I may be traveling somewhere, go find your hotel of preference and just book it. Sometimes I'll book two or three hotels because I may not know where in the city I'm going to be doing business. So, for example, even if I'm going to, to Austin and I may be down on, on Burnett Road, I need to have a, a special hotel right around there, or maybe I want to be downtown instead. And so I'll book a hotel in that area, and I'll have two and wait and see how my meetings are going to line up, and then I cancel the other one. Of course, make sure you're very sensitive on the cancellation date. Um, for airlines, though, that's a lot trickier because – when you book an airline, you, you, you get 24 hours to cancel it. Um, otherwise, you have to pay a change fee. So you want to avoid, uh, avoid the change fees when you can. Um, even when the, your employer may be paying for the change fee, you, know, you don't want to be the, that person who's always uh, booking uh, expensing tickets that you never actually take. So what I usually do is I'll book a, a morning ticket and, uh, and try to find something that fits close to whatever the business policies are. So a lot of a lot of corporations and companies will make you book, for example, the lowest fare, uh, which may be you're leaving at noon and you arrive at, at 10 o'clock at night. Well, you're not going to have a lot of fun if you get to a city at 10 o'clock at night. Plus, you may not be able to get that business meeting or, or have that drink with someone that you want to have with. So what I usually do is I book the flight that I need to book over a company policy. And then uh, because of the status that I'm in, and this is one of these reasons that having a status on an airline is very important, is within 24 hours of actually flying, um, the airlines that I fly give me options to change my flight at no charge. So if I'm flying, uh, if I'm flying tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning, um, 10 a.m. today, so 24 hours before tomorrow's flight, I'm now looking at other flight options to see if, well, you know what, I'm on a flight that has me transitioning through Chicago, but hey, maybe I can find a nonstop flight that gets me in faster. Or instead of leaving at 10 o'clock tomorrow, you know, I've got a, a meeting that came up here in LA and I really can't leave till noon or one o'clock. So I'm gonna find another flight that I can take that leaves at one o'clock and no change fee. 
Makes sense. Makes sense. No, that that sounds great. And are there are there certain times or, or perhaps days that you'll avoid? I can remember actually mentioned Mexico City earlier, but flying into Mexico City on a Friday night, well, there was too much air traffic. We had to land in Acapulco and uh, that was a disaster. Or uh, sometimes those early, very early morning flights. You mentioned the cheap ones. Well, those 6 a.m. out of Chicago, Boston, and New York in January, a lot of times your Philly, your flights will have to come out with the de-icer and you'll be delayed and stuff like that. Is there anything that you avoid uh, in those situations? Well, there's time, you know, and that's one of the challenges when you're traveling for business, sometimes you can't avoid it. I mean, you know, the airlines will tell you, and, and if you travel on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and even early Thursdays, you'll find that those are the off-peak periods you know, during during the morning or really late late in the afternoon, early late evening. Um, you know the airports are often empty and the lines are low. But when you're traveling from business, you can't always avoid that. I mean, you know, traveling Friday afternoon, coming home after you know one two o'clock on a on an afternoon on Friday, um, that's like you know the death time um, because you're going to hit delays and cancellations and the bad news is is if you're on a flight at four o'clock on a friday afternoon and that flight gets canceled chances are there is no other flight right and and so i always try to get early flights out more uh you know midday flights worst case um and and if i know i'm going to be have if i can't fly late and i can uh you know conduct a little bit more business then i just move my uh i stay an extra night and fly the next morning so if you fly in the morning, even though, like you said, you know maybe you may have to hit the de-icer or you may get delayed a little bit, you have a higher probability of making it to your destination by the end of the day. That's that's great. Yeah, last flight out. That is taking somewhat of a risk, uh, right. even though it's it's a small one, I guess. Um, but yeah, something to to certainly to certainly think about. I I think about that when I when I book flights especially if you need to be somewhere right and and you know it's important to think about transition time so if you're not taking a non-stop flight not everyone is is fortunate enough to live in a city where they can take non-stop flights to most most of their destinations it's very important to you know for example if you're flying to florida in the middle of winter it's not a really good idea to fly through chicago to right get, to, to get there um you know you want you want to you know take a southern route through through that area um so and but but yeah i always watch the weather before i go and not just not just to understand what my flight options are going to be but also how much how much clothing do i need to pack in my my luggage absolutely absolutely especially hey if you got stranded there what it <laughs> what are you going to wear out if you packed for florida but now you're in a in a uh you know best western in Flor in chicago or wherever they put you at the airport hotel Exactly. Now I have to admit, I've gotten really good at uh, I've gotten really good at uh, at buying things uh, upon arrival. In fact, there's some nice stories in in my book, not just for me, but some of my fellow uh, road warriors, where they talk about uh, you know eyeglasses being broken, and they talk about losing not having the right clothing or the right electronics, and and they're they're shopping literally an hour before their business meeting of, of how do I, how do I get a tie? How do I get a belt? You know, Oh, I, I'm wearing the wrong shirt. Oh, I forgot man. to pack something. So, you know, you get very, uh, accustomed to not just looking for, uh, you know, where am I staying, but where are the retail stores nearby? Sure. Yeah. Small, small hiccups. Uh, but they, they do happen when you need to, when you need to dress up or, or find some, provisions. Uh, Michael, you had a surprising uh, part of the book about the difference between Uber Black and Uber X. And I'm not sure if that this is still what they're called on the apps. I'm a Lyft user myself, mm-hmm. uh, but you had a strong recommendation in there. I was I would uh, love if you could pass that on to uh, to our travelers and explain a little bit. Yeah. So so um, so I uh, in fact, I, I use all the, the rideshare apps, I think. But at the time that I wrote the book, it was the Uber X, Uber Black was the example one. When it's very easy to, um, it's very easy just to, to succumb to. Well, you know what? I'm just going to take the cheapest or the least expensive form of transportation, and for the most part, you're you're fine with that. I mean, especially in, if you're in if you're in uh, 
more uh, Western cities or more developed, mature countries. Um, and and the, you know, the point that you're referencing is Uber Black, at least in the United States, those are really professional drivers. They're, they're security checked, um, their companies, whether they work on their own or they work uh, um, you know, for themselves, they, they have to comply with a certain level of certification and, and security background checks with the, cit the local city that licensed them. If you're taking Uber X, that's anybody. Sure. And I'm sure that that you know you and your listeners have, like myself have read the stories, you know the horror stories of people that have gotten into a an Uber or a Lyft, and and unfortunately their their safety was compromised. By sure. That. So so you know when I travel, there's 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 a couple of things that I keep keep in in front of my mind. One is travel efficient, be smart, travel safely. And also have a lot of fun, and and that you know if I'm going to say Uber Black versus Uber XL, and I'm in kind of a sketchy, sketchy country, or a sketchy part of the United States, even you know what I'm going to spend the extra 15 bucks, and you know usually the company's going to reimburse me, so right. it should be, it shouldn't be a financial hurdle, and just get just get the nicer car. No, it, exactly, and it's it's usually it's usually safer just because the car is is better built in some of these places. I I use Lyft when I'm in the states, but primarily Uber is overseas or uh, the Grab app in Southeast Asia. But in some countries, the level of uh, you know that that economical Uber X that's that can be whatever car the guy's got. And I've been in my fair, share fair of real bad taxis, like seeing people hotwire them together in, in yeah. Nicaragua to start it up. And that's always that's always a lot of fun. That's an adventure. But if I land in Lima or who knows where, and I want to get there safely, and traffic is bad, I'd like a I'd like a nice SUV to to ride in. Exactly. In fact, that's that's a really good point. Um, a lot of times when I travel, especially when I travel internationally to locations that I'm not familiar with, say it's it's my first time to 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 Lima, and and I'm staying in in a hotel downtown, and and I don't really have any friends, and no one's going to pick me up, and. And and I and I'm going to get in after 28 hours of flying, you know, one of those kinds of things. So you're disoriented and you're tired. Um, again, it's a little bit more expensive. Usually the company will pay for it. Is I just call the hotel and I get a hotel car to come pick me up, and they show up at the airport. They have my name on a sign. It's highly secure. They take me right to the hotel. The hotel's expecting to me, and I get ushered right to right to my room very quickly, and then I can have a good night's sleep decompress and then the next day is I have my orientation around me and I'm stable and thinking clearly then I can be a little bit more experimental with uh, what kind of transportation I want to take and how I'm going to get around exactly but, but but the hotel car which I, I know a lot of people shy away from you know upon arrival especially in a after you've been flying for days and and you're in a strange city, it's it's actually a, a really great option. It's a safe option. No, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Uh, I was just thinking I, I share this story in my book, but uh, I landed in Beijing just uh, this past year and it was late. I was jet lagged, et cetera, et cetera. And what I should have done is done the airport car, but. You know, millennials. That eh, we'll figure. We'll figure it out. Well, you got to get the currency. You know, you got to get the yep. local currency. Which, had I just done the airport car, they would have charged it to my room. Then everybody's trying to rip us off. Um, yep. Then I'm trying to connect to the Wi-Fi to see if there's any Uber in China, which I, I don't think that there was. No, Uber has failed in China. I'm pretty sure. Right. And I couldn't connect to anything because I'm a Google Chrome user. And I'd never been to China before, and there's no that Google is not allowed, no Google products, and so I couldn't get onto the internet. Yep. And my fiance, my fiance wanted to wanted to uh, hurry up and be done with this, so she's negotiating with people who are taking us into the back alley. I'm saying no, this is not a good place for us to be. It was a mess. So airport car, I couldn't agree more. Or a, hotel I've, car. I've, I've experienced that story. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
Um, which, which actually, you know, you actually brought up a couple of good points in your in your conversation. You know, um, such as I'm a Google Chrome user and and I have these kinds of apps, and and I'm the same way. I mean, I have my preferences on on search engines and so forth. But you know, when you're traveling, it's almost like you have to have a different mindset. You have to almost have one of everything. So you have. Safari, you have Google, you have Yahoo. If you're flying to a country that you're not sure if you can do some research, what, what, uh, you know, what's my visa requirements? What's what's the computer inspection rules? Are they going to, you know, go look at my Facebook account and and take my phone? Because because right. it's not like the United States; they pretty much can do whatever they want yeah. when you're in these countries. Look through your pictures. Yep. If you got stuff on there, you shouldn't. You got. You do have to watch out. And I will say, I will actually say that I'm no. I try to use less Google products these days because our privacy is being invaded. And not only does it not work in China, but I mean, if a product is free, you are the product. They are selling your data and mining you for everything. So that's exactly. my little bit of activism. For the, yeah, for no, the day. I, I agree with you more. In fact, I've what I've done is I've gotten much more diligent about using a, uh, a VPN, so a virtual private network, a secure link on my phone and my computer desktop and my my tablets, to make sure that when I'm in, even in the United States, but I, I go in and create a secure transmission. So hopefully the person sitting next to me, if they're trying to tap into my uh, my wireless system, that they I'm making it really hard for them. Great. My, Michael, do you have a VPN that you would recommend to people? I would. In fact, uh, I had a friend of mine asking me the same question uh, earlier this week. So I use Strong VPN. Okay. Uh, S-T-R-O-N-G VPN. Um, it's very easy. They have an app. I think it's $55, $60 a year. You can use it for up to, I think, 10 or 12 devices, not not concurrently, but meaning you can um, you can have it on your, on, on your multiple phones and your computers and your and your iPads and you don't have to buy multiple user IDs for them and uh, and and they've got great customer support oh great okay I so, will also link that up on the the show notes at under 30 experiences.com slash blog and uh, I'll look up whichever I use I think Nord and hotspot shield uh, are two that I have but um, yeah they're they all work relatively similarly. They, the key message is find one that you feel comfortable with and uh, and and use it. Great, great. Uh, now, Michael, it, you had a lot of really good stuff about uh, staying healthy on the road as well. You were not shy about putting tips uh, for working out and eating healthy. Well, I mean, you bring your own tea bags on your flights and uh, you look like you're in pretty good shape. So, uh, you know, road warriors, they can get pretty disheveled after. First of all, the flying is not really good for you up exposed to all that radiation. You land at 10 p.m. and you got to have whatever crappy food you can find. Uh, so how do you stay healthy while you're traveling? So, um, so having a good source of food is is really very very important, um, and I traditionally bring my own food. Um, I mean, a lot of people will say, "Well, you know what? It's only an hour flight." Well, an hour flight could turn into an eight-hour flight if there's weather or there's a mechanical problem or you're stuck on the tarmac for five hours because of one reason or another, and and so you just don't know how long your trip is really going to be. So typically what I do is uh, the day before or a few days before, I'll go to the grocery store and I'll buy some food for sandwiches or maybe even uh, if I'm traveling early in the morning, I'll, I'll even have a, a yogurt or, or something that is, you know, it may be not in the refrigerator right away, but it'll stay relatively cool and chilled for several hours. Um, I'll make a sandwich and, and uh, my bag is packed with uh, various uh healthy fruits, fruits, vegetables, and sandwiches so I can uh, get to where I'm going. And then I also usually bring an apple or, or some light, light snacks or trail mix that, that I can carry throughout the, uh, the, the day or maybe three days that I may be on a trip until I can figure out where's the closest grocery store or where can I refuel uh, when I'm there. And then on the return trip, often I don't have the time to go to a uh, to a grocery store uh, but at the airport I always make a quick stop after security 
to get up a bottle of water and then you know pick a sandwich. Fortunately, most most airports now um, it's expensive. I mean, you're paying twelve dollars for a sandwich that probably costs three, but you can at least get a, a decent sandwich versus whatever uh, your airline is serving on the flight. That's great. And uh, when I when I'm traveling domestically, especially if I go to visit my parents or if I'm staying in Airbnb or, or any hotel. Even now, it's so easy to just do some of this Amazon Prime now where you yep. can get food delivered right to you. Um, yep. You know, the I like to support the local economies wherever I go. So you can look up on some of these apps, um, Seamless or DoorDash or Uber Eats, and you can find local food, especially if you get in late, and they'll just come and, and deliver it to you. Exactly. Um, and one of the things that I do, one of, one of my favorite apps is called Local Eats. Okay. And and a lot of times when I land into a place into a place, I'll, I I like to go out. I don't like to eat in the hotels, um, simply because I mean you can't always avoid it. But I like to go out and experience something, even if I can just go walk a block or two. Gets me into the fresh air, gives me a little experience for the next day. It's like, hey, you know, I'm staying at the I'm staying at the Hilton, and I walked around the corner and found this really cool little restaurant. And sometimes they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's an awesome place. But anyway, Local Eats is something that just tells you the local favorites. So if you, were, if you live there, it's not necessarily something you would find on, on the tourist, uh, tourist list of places to go or even on uh, TripAdvisor or Yahoo. But it's something that the locals there have voted and decided it's a really cool place. And, and I've, I've uh, correlated with I look at Local Eats for my city and it's like it has a lot of my cool favorite places that most people don't know about and and I've found some really excellent gems of places to go and try and experience that again you know you go talk to your the clients that you're meeting to the next day and they're like how did you find out about that place yeah and it's it's really is pretty easy these days and um i mentioned you know amazon and and whole foods right and of course mm -hmm. these are big corporations at at this point but yeah those are those are good if you need a quick delivery service and have something there when you yep. when you land but i don't mind finding a, nat a local natural health food store and you can get into some fun little adventures going to right. these off the beaten path places, some uh, crunchy granola place or these, I, I'd like to find little juice bars and yep. uh, yeah, little dive health food stores are, are really fun to go and, and check out what they have and they will source local foods as well. Um, I, I was staying in Waikiki Beach, which of course is the tourist hotspot in right, right. Uh, in Hawaii, but if you walk, uh, I don't know, five ten blocks outside of Waikiki, you are in some. You're really in Honolulu, and you're looking. I mean, there were a couple streets that I hesitated to walk down uh, because right. it was it was getting real real quick. And uh, but I found an amazing little. Uh, food co-op and they had sourced macadamia nuts from mm -hmm. the local islands and local coffee and it, again it was I was able to experience some some culture beyond what you can just get with room service exactly in fact that that actually you know kind of goes to the having fun while you travel for work um, if you um, sometimes you know you have that well I have to have a meeting where I have to be in a place Monday morning at eight o'clock well you're not you're not if you're if you don't live like an hour or two hours away and you can get there by car you're gonna be flying in on Sunday well a lot of times it, it doesn't really cost that much more if you're gonna fly on Saturday and if you're going to a really cool fun place a lot of times you know and and the cost is roughly the same whether you're gonna fly Saturday or Sunday even with a hotel um, talk to your employer about just hey I want to fly on Saturday I want to go experience uh, Chicago or Austin for you know over the weekend or even just Sunday, and, and you can find these cool farmers markets, or maybe there's a cool, you know, music venue that's going on that night, or, or or theater, or some sort of art exhibit that you know you wouldn't have time for otherwise. But because, hey, they're making me be there on first thing Monday morning, so I might as well uh, make it a little bit more uh, advantageous for me to enjoy that uh, that trip. Sure, and you can even save your company money in a lot exactly. of cases. Um, that's or... that, yep. Yeah, or if you have plans, okay, you flew to L.A. for something and what you really wanted to do was stop into, I don't know, I'm just making things up, but you did want to go to San Francisco to visit your old mm -hmm. friend. Well, 
if you offer to your employer to cover some of any costs that okay yeah it might have been a $500 flight but then yeah the extra hundred bucks I'll cover that I mean that's that's a really nice way to to be able to to travel exactly in fact there are many times I have covered that extra night or that you know extra couple of days just so I can stay another day in Beijing or in Hong Kong or in Seattle or wherever and and you know the other thing too which is really nice is if you have friends there a lot of times employers will give you actually you know maybe some extra cash if you stay at your friend's house or your family's house instead of sticking them for $100 or whatever for a hotel bill so sometimes you know check out your company's uh, travel policy and see if that's something they'll do and it's much more fun to stay with friends absolutely and don't be afraid to make suggestions as well to your employer if it's not part of their their exactly. policy i would say michael you said that you lived in singapore for two years i'd love to hear your uh, experience there because living abroad can be an amazing way actually somebody told me the best part of living in singapore is indonesia and you're just <laughs> a hop skip and a jump away from so many fun places in southeast asia well Sing in fact we could probably do a whole no another show on my expat experience in singapore <laughs> but um, while I was there for two years, I traveled to, uh, I believe, 16 countries while I was there. Um, I lived in, while I was there, I spent a number of long-term uh, weeks, I guess, uh, short, more like short assignments in, in places like Australia and Japan, um, where, uh, and, and I got to spend a lot of time exploring uh, just my, some personal stuff that I've wanted to do. So I got to trek to Mount Everest base camp. Um, I got to go, as you mentioned at the beginning, I got to go to the, the, the used to be a closed country of Bhutan. Wow. In fact, there, you can't, you really can't even go there. You have to have a guide to go there. You can't just show up and, and freelance throughout the country. Um, so it's one of those places like that. But um, I got to see the Komodo dragons in Indonesia. Um, so so I, got to, I got to check off a lot of uh, personal life travel uh items uh, while I was living there because it was so close. I mean, Indonesia was, uh, you know, to get to Komodo Island from the United States, it's like a 26, 28-hour flight, and, you know, it's four planes to get there, and <laughs> it's, it's pretty extravagant. From Singapore, it was a two-hour flight to Bali, spent the night, had a great time, and then a, uh, a probably another hour flight to the island of Flores, a four-hour boat ride, and I'm looking at Komodo Dragons. Wow, that's and, uh, that's pretty and, cool. And no jet lag. Yeah, yeah, shaking the jet lag off after you know a long flight, and then you're groggy for four or five days. That can be that can be a challenge, and and really inhibit some people's experience. Exactly. Um, you know, the interesting one of the interesting things there were many, but one of the interesting things about living in Singapore and being an expatriate there is I realized so many other. Uh, so many other cultures, so uh, people from other countries take advantage of living abroad. I saw a lot of people from, from the UK, a lot of Australians, a lot of people from India, uh, French, German, a lot of pe people from Europe. Very few Americans. Very few Americans take the advantage of actually living in another country. Um, I have my theories on why, but I think that's something that we're, we feel a little bit of, uh, you know, we're so comfortable in the United States and there's so many things to experience in the United States. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at living overseas uh, or internationally, whether it's in, in the Americas or somewhere else, but they look at it as something that, well, you know, it's not something I really ever thought of before. And, and living in Asia really opened my eyes to just the, the it's not really that hard. People find jobs there. People can get work permits, um, especially if, if you can bring something to the to the table, um, you know, as being a, someone who's educated and can contribute to to their society, um, you can make it happen. Absolutely, and and Europe. Uh, so I did about a year uh, in the center of Paris, and the best part about that, because I'm not a big city person, of course, France is amazing. Just hopping all around to different places in yeah. Europe and uh, I was working for myself at that point but the other expats that I would meet all had these tremendous four five six seven eight weeks off a year which we would never get in the United States so exactly people can take advantage of their their time 
Yeah, exactly. In fact, I found the expat community in Singapore, it was almost a, uh, I, I hung out with a bunch of very interesting interesting people, both Americans and people from other countries, but it was almost like a competition of who could find the new cool place to go visit. <laughs> so, you know, whether it's in the Philippines or in Vietnam or Cambodia, you know, these island communities that you just, you wouldn't know about unless you lived there. And, and one of the, I, I didn't get to do this, but one of my uh, go-to places was an area called the Adaman Islands, which was off the west coast of Thailand, which is actually part of India. So wow. to get to these islands, you have to either can take a boat from Thailand to, to these islands, or you have to fly to India, you fly to Calcutta, and then you can fly to the Adamant Islands. But that is like one of the new, cool, fun places where they have the swimming elephants. Interesting. Interesting. So, I've seen it on a map. I've never been. Exactly. So, I mean, you just, but when you live in these parts of the world that you just, you know, you become more of a local type, you get to find out these things that are going on that you never would know. Excellent. Uh, well, Michael, we're going to need to wrap up in a minute or two here, but I want to put you through some rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Anything that comes to your mind, you can just spit it out. Feel free to explain your answer, or we can just move on to the next question. The first one that I want to ask you is, if you could base yourself anywhere for a year, where would it be? I'd love to go back to Singapore. More, more places to explore. Okay, excellent. Um, do you have a favorite airport in the world? My favorite airport is Denver, Colorado. People okay. complained about it when it was when it was first built, but it's a beautiful airport. When you get off the airport, it's the you have the most beautiful view of the whole front range of the Rocky Mountains, and quite frankly, it's very efficient and they have great food. Beautiful. And that's your home airport? Uh, it used to be. Now it's LAX. Okay, got it, got it. Um, is there an app on your phone that you can't travel without? Well, I mentioned uh, I mentioned Local Eats is one of my key apps, uh, and then it's pretty much all the hotel apps, the rental car apps, and then weather apps. Okay, great. Uh, do you have a specific weather app that you like? Uh, I like uh, weather.com. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Can't go wrong with that. And uh, do you have a piece of media? Uh, could be a book, an album, a movie that you load onto your device be before you travel that you would recommend to others? So actually, uh, I listen to music when I travel. Uh, I, I do uh, read Kindle, so various books from time to time, but I travel with my music. So I have around um, 150,000 songs. Um, so it's a like around a uh, probably like a 150 gigabytes of music, and I do not go anywhere without my entire library. Oh my God! Uh, what music uh, device is this? Apple Music, Spotify? Yes. Yeah, Apple yeah. I music? travel. I travel with like a, a, an iPod uh, or Apple iPhone. Okay, Apple Music. Uh, have any Have any albums that you would suggest to people check out? Oh wow! That's this is a personal that's a question. That that is always the thing. So um, so I'm a I'm a I'm a '70s uh, '70s guy, and I've been uh, I've been rocking out to my old Emerson, Lake and Palmer music. Okay, Emerson, so it's a, Lake uh, and Palmer. It's uh, it's it's crazy mix of uh, electronics and heavy drums and some really interesting vocals. It's almost like if you walked into a church in the 1600s and you threw in a little bit of uh, electronic music on there, and that's what you'd have. Okay, well, I will certainly link that up for people. And final question, what is one piece of travel gear that you could not travel without? My Toomey briefcase. Toomey briefcase. That, that is my, I talk about it in my book, that is my nuclear, nuclear launch code football. It's got everything. I can lose everything but that. Excellent. My computer, my, computer, my electronics, and... All my all my life is in that box. That's that's all you need. Well, uh, Michael, these tips have been invaluable to our listeners. Your book is the Millennials Guide to Business Travel: Lessons from the Next Generation of Road Warriors. Uh, where can pe people reach out and connect with you? Maybe on social media, website, anything you want to shout out for everybody? Yeah. So my uh, my Instagram site uh, is actually M Mpuldi. 
and uh, that's where I post a lot of my uh, my current uh, my current adventures. And then uh, I've got my uh, next travel uh, nextgentravel.com, which next. I know you'll post on the uh, post on the website. Absolutely, nextgentravel.com. Getting that up in the show notes, Michael. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Matt. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Podcast listeners, did you enjoy that episode? I certainly hope you did if you listened this long. If so, I would really appreciate if you did a couple things for me to help this show grow. Uh, First and foremost, direct support for the show is provided by the Millennial Travel Guidebook. Escape more, spend less, and make travel a priority in your life. So if you haven't picked that up and left a review, I would be really appreciative if you headed over to Amazon or Audible, uh, the Kindle store, and checked that out. Also, uh, you are probably listening to this on the Live Different podcast as a series, the Millennial Travel Podcast, uh, but we are launching the Millennial Travel Podcast as a standalone pod. So if you would like to check that out. Uh, I would appreciate if you went to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or most anywhere that you get your podcasts and uh, subscribed and rated and reviewed because we only have a few listeners over there. But soon we are going to have a whole lot uh, as we do some, uh, as we release some exclusive content over there. And uh, yeah, that would be Really awesome, super helpful things. Of course, the Live Different podcast, if you could rate and review that, I'd be extremely appreciative. Uh, But more than anything, just thanks for listening and implementing these strategies and making uh, your life just a little bit better. Thanks so much.